I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Outer Sanctum is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders past and present. Good plan. Good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Outer Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum. My name is Emma Race and I am joined by my football-loving, festive season pending, 2021 ending, sisters of the ever-loving Sanctum. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hey, Nicole Hayes here. That's quite an introduction. <laughs> Hello, it's Lucy Race here. Hi, I am atheist Julia Kiera. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm present in a box, Alicia sometimes. Today we have gifts to leave you with for the pre-season break And how does it feel so normal to be talking about football in December? We've all got on board with that pretty quickly But first, we talk so often about how we need women in leadership roles And the impact that they can have Earlier today, I caught up with Zoe Daniel Zoe is a journalist, broadcaster and foreign correspondent Who has spent her life reporting from the room where it happens She's announced that she's standing as an independent in the upcoming federal election As Victorians, football is never far from anyone's origin story And for Zoe, that is no exception We welcome you to the Outer Sanctum today, Zoe Ah, so pleased to be here, love the show Well, thank you very much. This year's been a watershed year for governments disrespecting women. How brave did you have to be to put your hat in the ring at this time? It wasn't an easy decision. Uh, No one would deny after what we've seen this year that it looks like a pretty toxic environment there up in Canberra a lot of the time, especially for women. But I do think that there's an opportunity in this and that opportunity for me is to be inside the room rather than outside it and try to create some change from there. And, you know, that would be a great privilege if we can get through and win the election to be able to be there and and try to have some impact and also just to contribute to that evening up of the gender balance in our parliament, which should be representative, of course, of, of our community. Why was this leadership moment right for you right now? Well, I was asked to do this. The Voices of Goldstein movement, which is a grassroots community organisation that wants to see some change, in, particularly in areas like equality but also on climate policy and integrity, asked me if I'd be prepared to stand. I had to think about it a lot. I've got two teenage children and I know having been a foreign correspondent for the best part of 15 years and travelled a lot and worked a lot that it'll take me away. But the kids are really supportive of it and, and particularly my son, who's the, the older one of the two, said, you know, you, you can do something for us, Mum. Someone's got to step up and 
that if you don't take the opportunity, maybe you'll look back later and think, well, I could have done something and I, I didn't. So, you know, it won't be easy. It won't be easy to win the election and it won't be easy to affect the kind of change that, that we're talking about. But it's better to put yourself in. Uh, as he said, first step is saying yes, then we're going to make it happen. <laughs> we hear so much about how important independents are going to be to this federal election, more important than ever potentially. Can you explain why? Well, look, I think what we're trying to to do from my perspective as a candidate from the electorate of Goldstein is to represent this community and there are several other independents who are throwing the hat in to do the same thing. If a couple of us get elected along with the independents who are already there, including Zali Stegel and Helen Haynes, then there's the opportunity to actually create some progress on some serious policy issues. I feel like the party political system is really stalled um, and most of the sort of national conversation is around the politics of things, around how things will play with people rather than actually having an impact on making things better um, and also fixing problems. So, you know, it's a case of perhaps being able to get in there and create some accountability on all sorts of issues, you know, encourage better policy, make sure that we have accountability on, on integrity and economic transparency, for example, push things like the implementation of the Respect at Work report in full to protect women in the workplace. These are the, the kinds of things that we can work on trying to get through the parliament from, from the crossbench. You mentioned Zali Stegall and I think about Kirsty Marshall and Nova Paris. There's been a strong connection between sport and politics over the journey. How has football been a part of your relationship with community? Well, my dad played for Essendon, so I was born in the old Essendon Memorial Hospital just down from Windy Hill and my, my first home was a flat just next to Windy Hill when Dad was playing for the Bombers. And then when I was two, my dad took a job coaching North Launceston, so we moved to Tasmania. So I grew up at uh, football training, basically. <laughs> dad used to take me along uh, when he was training every night and I, I used to go to all the games and, you know, I was that kid in the old days in the 70s who'd be scrabbling around underneath the grandstands trying to find the coins that people had dropped so that I could go and buy lollies. Um, <laughs> we call that being was a footy brat. <laughs> totally, yeah. And there was a, people who, um, I, I like to call it York Park, obviously this is, you know, the main football oval in Launceston, but there used to be a series of pine trees behind the goals at one end and so many kids had sat on them over the years that they were flat on the top so we used to go and find all the money under the grandstands buy our lollies and then go and sit up in the top of the trees and catch the balls as they came through the goals so yeah my, my whole childhood was uh, hanging around at, at footy with dad pretty much. What will it mean to you when Essendon has an AFLW team in the competition? Uh, I'm so excited and, you know, in fact, my son who's almost 15 and is a mad Bombers supporter has been really disappointed that they haven't had one so far and uh, he's also really excited. My daughter's also a Bombers member so we all we love going to watch the Bombers and we'll really look forward to watching the AFLW. I mean, for, for someone like me, um, it's a, with a little bit of nostalgia, I guess, because maybe I would have liked to play given that I was so sort of 
you know, entrenched in the football world as a kid. But, you know, back in those days, not even soccer was offered to girls in Launceston when I was growing up. So basically played netball and softball and that was kind of all we could do. So it's just so good to see that's now an option. Yeah, it's such a marker of time and such a hopeful, I guess, icon of what's possible. Angela Pippos is a football-loving sister of the Sanctum and she's working with you on this campaign. Can you tell me about the first time you met her? (laughs) Yeah, good old Pippi. Uh, She and I went to university together, so we've known each other for 30 years. We, We first met on my first day of uni, which was in South Australia in 1991, um, and I was the girl who'd come from Tassie that didn't know anyone and and sort of took pity on me when I was announced by the uh, head of the journalism course as the sort of random Tasmanian in the mix. Um, So Anne sort of took me under her wing. It's important to point out that she was wearing a Rosie the Riveter t-shirt on that first day. She's a feminist icon, which kind of says a lot about Anne. But, yeah, she and I have been firm friends ever since and uh, she was the one actually put me forward to the Voices of Goldstein to potentially take this on. So then when I agreed to do it, I said, you're in as well. So <laughs> she she's working with me on the campaign. You've lived and travelled in some of the most extraordinary places and met extraordinary people. I want to drill down on one very extraordinary place. It's the Victorian coastal town of Wye River, which is home to the OG Mr September, Mike Brady. <laughs> do you know him and what's your favourite Mike Brady song? <laughs> Oh, I like them all. There is one cool thing about living at Wye River that occasionally you'll hear the strains of Mike Brady strumming his guitar. We often meet up in the evenings if we walk down to the beach with a glass of wine if it's a warm night and Mike will be having his evening stroll as well. So, yes, we do we do know each other. He lives down there. Obviously, I don't. I live in Goldstein. But we, we've had a house down there uh, for about 10 years. We bought it when we were living in Bangkok in, in a pretty crazy sort of expat existence. I was covering a lot of really heavy news, civil unrest and natural disasters and, and plane crashes and, you know, life was pretty demanding. Our kids were really little at the time and we really wanted them to have a place in Australia that they could really identify with and that was going to be home to them so they felt really grounded as Australians and that little house it's a little blue surf shack perched up on the hill with a view out over the water uh, with the traditional Australian power line in front of it but you know you see koalas in the garden and kookaburras on the on the deck rails and and cockatoos. It's a full Australian sensory experience when you can see the koalas and hear Mike Brady singing up there because from next door I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Your motto is uh, for this campaign if not us who if not now when Here at the Sanctum, we live by there's nothing about us without us and you can't be what you can't see. You're living all of those mottos. We wish you all the very best and we thank you for taking this moment and for stepping up. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Melissa Hickey and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. Ladies, it has been so long since we've actually gathered in the room and it's so nice to see your faces. Usually at the end of the season, we do a wrap on what have been our favourite things of the of the season. But I thought kind of like um, when Oprah does her favourite things around Christmas time, that maybe today we could do something a little bit more uh, gifting. And it is in the in honour of the fifth quarter. We like to give suggestions. So think of this as your sanctum non-denominational Kris Kringle. (laughs) I was hoping we could all give a gift and talk about the things that we're really looking forward to next year or next season. Nicole, would you like to go first? Well, for the the gift-giving side of things, I am very keen on some of the books that we actually covered in the fifth quarter. Am I able to do that? Can I go back Absolutely. to some of those? I think everybody, if they haven't already gone and listened to the Brandon Jack interview, uh, please do that. But also get yourself a copy of 28. It's a really powerful book, um, beautifully written and bang on, you know, out of sanctum kind of style. It fits with our listeners. It fits with our way of being. But in a non-football space, I have become a big fan of a young adult novel called The End of the World is Bigger Than Love. It has won a bunch of awards. It's by Davina Bell. And it's like, it's a, a dystopia. It's political. It's feminist. It's funny, smart, warm, and actually quite heartbreaking, but it's a quick read. And I know we have a lot of YA readers out there because you guys hit me up um, on Twitter quite a bit. So highly recommend an Australian novel that really shakes things up in the YA world, even though I think that's the space that's doing some great stuff in literature anyway. I really love that you've given us a football offering and one for people who don't celebrate football at this time of year. (laughs) Right. I am the all-giving person here. (laughs) You are. And what are you looking forward to? Gosh, well, I mean, the AFLW season is kicking off January 6th, we believe. I'm looking forward to a fixture. I'm just really keen to see how the season unfolds. And I'm, I'm just, I mean, it's hard kind of, it feels a little bit like 2022 is a filling year till 2023 where we have everybody on deck. Can I say that? No, speak for yourself. (laughs) I just realised I'm in a room full of hawks. (laughs) (laughs) But no, but what I I will say that my favourite part of AFLW, and it continues to be the truth, is that I have zero idea of who is going to be there at the pointy end. We have been consistently wrong whenever we predicted. This year is no better than last in terms of providing any clarity it would be great to, you know, I'd love to see the Brisbane go back to back, but we haven't seen Frio do their best yet. And like this, I don't know. I have no idea. And with all of the changes and movements around, the possibility that the WA teams might be in an Eastern hub too, that's still a possibility. Um, it's an anything goes. So, you know, pluck a number out of the hat and see see where it lands you. I have felt for the last two years that I've felt really distant from football. So when we talk about the fact that we don't really know who's going well or what's going to roll out. You think about all the layers that are complicating that equation. We don't have a fixture. We don't know what what will be happening in terms of COVID. Um, we don't know if everyone's going to be vaccinated and turn up. I think that mm. news is still kind of rolling out. And, and, of course, we've seen players leave for other 
other roles and and other responsibilities in their lives. I've got to say that's one thing that has disappointed me, seeing people feel that they have to leave the game because they can't be supported at this time. I'll really miss seeing Sabrina Duffy. That's been a really massive one. Uh, Julia, do you want to go next? Sure. So I I have a really non-football guilty pleasure. Um, I've read a lot this year and a book that I thoroughly enjoyed and one of those ones where I couldn't wait to like get into bed and read it is I have no other way to describe it except <laughs> it's a romp. <laughs> <laughs> it's a couple of years old. I'd never heard of it. It's called Red, White and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Nick is smiling and nodding vigorously. I loved that book. I it, ripped through it. Yeah. Um, so it's, look, it's a romp, but it's a book where I never felt like I was being talked down to despite the fact that it's a romance novel. It's incredibly clever, but it's about the rivalry between um, the Prince of England and the first son of the USA, so the the president's son, that then turns into a romance and it is so fun and enjoyable, pretty sexy. Um, maybe don't like listen to it as an audio book as you're driving down the beach with your kids in the car, <laughs> but definitely have a read of it. It was so fun and I really enjoyed it and took me by surprise. Oh, that's So that's brilliant. my recommendation. It is a little I bit have... footy because it sounds a bit bulldog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. What I'm looking forward to, I guess... A little reflection from me from this year is like always like getting a better sense of perspective about things. I feel like this last half of the year, especially in Victoria or New South Wales, where we've had a significant lockdown, is people have really talked about this year being a bit of a write-off, like nothing happened this year. We've just been um, treading water and waiting for it to end. But when I really think about this year, that's not true. Like we had an AFLW season. I coached a season of VFLW football. Like that happened. They didn't get a grand final, unfortunately. But the first half of the year, we did experience things and we did do, I did some amazing things this year through, you know, my work and home life. And it's a human nature that we just kind of focus on what was lost and what didn't happen. And so I'm really looking forward to kind of taking each game as it comes with AFLW and enjoying each one and seeing all the little gains that come. I'm really looking forward to seeing Geelong. I feel like they're a team that, you know, have not really gelled over the first few years, even though they've got a huge amount of potential and they've had lots of changes happen in terms of their off-field program, their coaching and their list. And I know that they've had a really hard pre-season trying to get the team going. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. And then selfishly, a little mini Falks reunification at Carlton with uh, Jess Delpos, June and Das now playing on the same team. So I'll watch that with keen interest as well. Um, so you're still on Carlton for next season? No. I'm never on Carlton. That's a true Carlton spirit, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, prob- um, I'm probably on Brisbane again, to be honest. I yeah. think we're, we we notoriously underestimate Brisbane and they always surprise us. So I think they'll take it to another level this year. I just watched a great package on social media and it was of Courtney Hodder kicking goals and it really lit a fire in my heart. She's something mm. so special. I can't wait to see her play again. Alicia, what gifts have you brought? 
Well, the gift for me is Julia saying the words romp. That has just <laughs> made my year because whenever Julia's playful, that's a good day for me. I just love her. Um, so it's, it's a mixed bag for me this year. I'll sort of talk in circles, but I'll answer all your questions because for me, sports, like Julia said, there's been a lot of sports. There's been a lot of high moments. I got into the um, AFLW. I've got into the AFL men's grand final. I was just quite passionate about it. But all the time feeling really forlorn and upset that the arts weren't celebrated so much this year. And I even mean that financially. Of course, we were in our homes across Australia loving our books, uh, you know, our movies, our music, everything. I, I think as people, we absolutely adore the arts. But just the fact that it wasn't there wasn't money behind it and there wasn't the same kind of support really, really depressed me. So I got into quite the fetal um, position this year about that. So two things for me though, I loved the book um, sort of going back to 2017, but it's Women in Sports and it's 50 Fearless Athletes Who Played to Win by Rachel Iganotofsky. And, you know, it's got Billie Jean King, Simone Biles. It's got a, it's sort of Northern Hemisphere centric, but it just made me think, who are my top 50? And when it comes to the AFL, uh, w, it's just like there are so many and I feel like this is my years in waiting, my babysitting years because I'm just waiting for the Hawks. But um, <laughs> I'm such a flirt. I'm going from player to player to player to player to player. So my top 50 women in sports, there's just so many women I love, I've loved this year seeing play and just so many moments. And with the Olympics, um, you know, however you felt about that, it was just so exciting on so many levels, so many great skaters. Um, and so I'm looking forward to Carlton v Collingwood putting on sunscreen, <laughs> my hats and an umbrella just because it's going to be bloody hot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my, uh, that's my wrap-up. And go <laughs> Richmond, I think. Go Richmond. In the AFLW. Really? I feel like that's like Julia's go Geelong. I mean, it would be great to see Richmond do really well. Obviously, we love Peggy. She was such a superstar on that episode of the fifth quarter. We were so lucky to have Kate sit down and speak with her about leadership. And I just thought what a gift she is to our game and how lucky we are to have her. In fact... And our city, Melbourneian of the year. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I think it's actually a really lovely story about someone falling in love with a code, falling in love with a city when they haven't been raised on it. I always feel a bit parochial, not in that way that we felt about Tom Cruise when he was married to Nicole Kidman. I don't feel like that about it, but I feel like, you know, when someone comes and chooses your code and you know that they've been embraced to that pers- to that level, you think, well, there's something pretty special here in this game. Yeah, it's not roast beef, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Lucy, what delicious gift have you got to put under the non-denominational Christmas tree? Well, I'm wondering if I can be a little bit greedy because reading is my thing. I really love books. I've read a lot of books this year and I thought I'd like to suggest one non-fiction and one fiction. The non-fiction book that really... I found it so useful and it taught me so much, is a book by Aja Barber called Consumed, The Need for Collective Change, Colonialism, Climate Change and Consumerism. And there's a quote in this book 
where Aja says, the system isn't broken, it's working just as intended. It's such a comprehensive and accessible book. It looks at the fashion industry and what can consumption is doing to the planet and to people. And it really kind of tracks the fact that when we buy things and we don't want to keep them forever, we create this huge issue in terms of rubbish that is having a terribly detrimental impact on the people that are also being exploited in the production of those goods in the first place. So it's one of those books that talks about a problem and really looks into it, but then has some really good solutions. And it's really changed the way that I'm, I'm thinking about Christmas, to be perfectly honest, and wanting to be very careful about not just creating more landfills. So I would recommend that one. Do you know what else that makes me think of is those member scarves for every year. And I always feel sick in my stomach. Like my ego wants to have the scarf that says how many years I've been a member. But I also feel really sick about having so much stuff. I think this, I think that kind of those concepts have landed on footy clubs Absolutely. about how they engage. Because I know that there's an option for you to opt out, which I've done the last couple of years. But we need to think about merch in in those terms as well, because so much merch becomes landfill. Absolutely. And one of the things Aja Barber talks about is the fact that it's often those T-shirts and caps that have been produced by organisations and sporting clubs does do this a lot. I know that our club does it in terms of producing T-shirts for people's milestone games. And you need to think really carefully about what the lifespan of those those items are. And I think we can find creative ways of, of still honouring people, but not doing it in a way that's harmful to, to the planet. What was your fiction book? Look, I've really ummed an art. I've got so many. I could do a top 10 on this one, but I'm going to go with the book that I think might be my book of the year. It is by Hannah Kent and it is called Devotion. So it's only come out really recently. I'm a huge fan of Hannah Kent's work and I know that it isn't for everyone because she has this, this style that kind of encapsulates like some mysticism. She, I think she's a genius at evoking different places and different times. And I think she's an incredibly poetic writer. So that's what really appeals to me. I absolutely love the poetry of her prose. But this book, I think, is actually her best. And it's a story of a group of Lutherans who cross the sea to find a new life in South Australia. And at the heart of this novel is a love story between two young women And I don't want to give away any spoilers because it's such an incredible book and I I think that everyone deserves to have the story unfold for them. Hannah really does focus on the story of of this group of, of people who are emigrating to South Australia. She does talk a little bit about the impact on the First Nations people who are displaced when these people arrive, but it's it's such a beautiful book. It will break your heart and the characters will stay with you. And I hope that people won't be put off by by it being, you know, a little bit emotional. I loved it. So what are you looking forward to most? I'm really looking forward to just a tiny bit of normality. And when I was thinking ahead to AFLW, In other seasons, I've had things that I've really wanted to see in terms of success or particular players or results that I might like to see. 
I actually just want to see a full season. I want us to be able to have crowds. I want it to be uninterrupted. And I think in the back of my mind, I'm aware that there's a number of players who've been playing since the first season and they may be coming towards the end of their career. So I'm just hoping for um, some joy maybe for some of you know, the people that we've really loved and who have been pioneers of this game. So I'm not going to jinx anyone, but I just am really looking forward to being back in the outer. Do you want me to tell you what my book of book du jour is, which I am listening to on audiobook. And I I used to feel some embarrassment about listening to audiobooks, but then I got really schooled. No, I got really schooled on how accessible they are. And that's the reason why I listen. And I do read other things as well, but I'm always listening to something on an audiobook. And it's really been a great way for me to escape when I've been stuck in the house or when I've been parenting or driving or whatever. And this is a bit of an unusual book. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I first discovered it via Brene Brown and her Dead Elite podcast. And it has been the most game-changing book for me. It breaks down habits and habit creating and habit forming. So it's not, you know, your traditional text. It's kind of like a, it's actually like a textbook in a way to create habits. But there was one chapter that talks about the importance of um, creating habits to create community, to create opportunity for women and girls. I, I was seeing it through that lens and and it reminded me of how important it is to have a cohort of people working alongside you to help you achieve a goal. It really felt like a team building chapter. So I would say to anyone like Julia who is a coach or people who work with young women and girls that this book will really unlock for you the way that you can kind of embed habits to make sure that women and girls stay in sport. As I said at the start, I feel quite bereft that we can't support people to stay in this game. The inequality of that has been kind of upsetting to see and I can see that infrastructure is coming and that's what I'm most looking forward to. I've heard rumour that there is a, I'm not going to say a 10-year plan, but a plan uh, for AFLW that has been created. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm looking forward to seeing the fixture and and looking forward to see how AFLW can really keep its head above water when we have things like um, the basketball and the soccer World Cups inbound and um, World Championships and Commonwealth Games. And I just think that the space is getting really competitive. So it's going to be a really exciting time for women's sport, I think, from next, next year on. And I'm very pleased about that. So I'm looking forward to seeing how we can all get back and our community can re-knit out in the outer. We got a bit of a taste too of just what to around women's sport more generally with the WBBL and the those great numbers and the Matildas game as well this week. Like, was it thirty six thousand or something? A record crowd, anyway. I love that you say knit. I'm thinking of us being all dailies knitting. You know, <laughs> that's that, that image is just yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. But thank you so much for joining us all season. It's just been such a pleasure to keep this community intact as we have made a big leap and we're so looking forward to AFLW season, hopefully seeing you out in the outer. We love it when you come up and say hello and talk to us and it feels like 
all these people coming to life that we've met via the socials. Uh, But we'll be back in January and we cannot wait. I want to say thank you to the Outer Sanctum group that you are. As representing one of the newbies, there is an incredible spirit in the group of lifting one another up and that there is no endpoint of empathy in the group. There's no endpoint of how much we can learn and change and give and forgive and be generous. And it's very inspiring to be in a group of people that attack life in that way. And I think that the listeners get a lot out of it, that we don't need to be stuck in our ways or feel like we need to protect our own egos, that we can just put it out there and say, we don't know everything and we're willing to learn. And that's pretty amazing. So thanks. Well, that's very generous of you because you're actually holding this whole ship together. (laughs) (laughs) We rely on you so much. But, uh, yeah, we'd be nothing without the community, with everyone who keeps listening in and tuning in. So please take care of each other, take care of yourselves, and we can't wait to be back in your ears. There is only one thing left to say. Go Go Woody! We'll see you next year. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.